Welcome to another episode of the Haunted Hacker Podcast. Uh, don't have a whole lot of news for today and this week, um, but look for some speaking engagements coming up in the near future and maybe a conference or two uh, in the U.S. Today we have my good friend, Greg Vandegast, um, one of my good friends from uh, the U.K. Uh, we met at Sapphire's um, conference in 2021, I believe. Uh, Dude, I think it was pre-COVID. Yeah, way pre-COVID, actually. 2019, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, it was pre-COVID. That's, that's why we look so old, because we are. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, Sapphire brought us together, and, and we've had a lot of history. We both spoke at you know the future of cybersecurity in, in London and a ton of other conferences. So Greg, what's been going on since the last time we talked? The world is, we can swear on this podcast, yeah. 100%, yeah. The world is fucked. That's <laughs> basically what's up. Don't know. Uh, we have, no, we've done what it is since during COVID, haven't we? I, I, I'm hopeful we're coming out of it. I don't know. Yeah, it's not looking that way. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, uh, start masking again. Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, have a new strain here um, that's actually uh, immune system divergent. Like it, it avoids the immune system and, and being detected. So it's not as deadly, but it's highly contagious. And it's like spreading. Yeah, that, that's the other thing. It's like everyone's like, because that's how viruses work. Very, very cyber related podcasts so far, right? Like right. the more the more virulent it is, the less deadly it is. That's how they evolve because they have more hosts, but they're less harmful. But right. it used to be like, oh, deaths, deaths, so many deaths. And when the deaths drops to like, single digits here in the uk is like oh cases cases are sound scarier hundreds of thousands of cases like yeah you're, you're telling me like one in every five people i see has covid but like we're all fine like if you hadn't told me on the news 24 7 i wouldn't even know something was going on exactly so, yeah, and so. then they tried the then they tried the whole monkey box thing too like that was kind of crazy for a bit and it started you know, like, in the like uk right or something right it's like oh heavens forbid like two people out of 65 million got the mumps right Ooh, that's all locked down again. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's always something that they've got to distract from what's really going on. Um, yeah. So, what are you doing now? Where, where are you? Where are you living? What, what kind of work are you doing? Are you- uh, I'm just in Manchester. You know, I've I've started like um, it's funny because we talk about you're saying about talking. I think I'm doing more public speaking now than actual security work. So I think that the whole security industry is another thing that's totally foobarred. I really like. Did you see? The, you know, Jen Easterly, mm-hmm. director of CISA, she made this uh, announcement, like, I think last week, uh, maybe even beginning of, yeah, it was last week, talking about how, like, what we're doing is totally unsustainable. Like, we can't keep building infrastructure and products and solutions that's just full of bugs uh, and then expect, uh, I like the way she put this, like, security people, but also consumers to just deal with it, you know, like, you can't. Especially like now where we're becoming uh, more and more dependent on this stuff. Where we're like, I, I talk to like young people, especially. I'm that old grumpy guy. I'm Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> young people are. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, convenience and tech and this and that. It's like, yeah, but there's some really big downsides. Like, oh, I don't care. It gives me all the convenience. It's like, yeah, but it's like anyone can compromise anything about you now and control all these things about you. And, you know, someone's performing a remote surgery and you're going to take over the robot and just stab you with the scalpel. I don't know what's going on. The electric cars, self-driving cars, more to the point. Um, so it's, it's becoming a real societal problem. 
Uh, and I've been, you know, you know, I mean, like I'm, I'm not into the, all the hip pen testing and and uh, sock uh, sit in a dark room with a bunch of screens monitoring stuff. I'm more like, let's build stuff right. Let's talk to people. Let's work out what a good state should be like. Let's engage the business and the stakeholders. And uh, it's and I, I've been starting to call it now a, a quality based approach. Like mm-hmm. just improve the quality of everything, like uh, your culture, but your processes, your your infrastructure. Do that, and you won't have um all these issues i was just reading like a vendor sent me something about you know, ai solution so that you can find out you know you can you can automate dealing with attackers who've found your vulnerabilities it's like and, and and deflect their attacks i'm like well, why don't you just fix your vulnerabilities that sounds like a genie <laughs> in a bottle it sounds like a genie in a bottle too i, I want to yeah, find this genie and not deal with that and it's weird how foreign a concept this is <clears throat> just not have the vulnerabilities in the first place. Well, here's, here's a hacker reference. Like, so I, I remember, you know, when I got my start with uh, uh, Millworm, I remember like getting on IRC on, what was it like Fnet and Undernet? Uh, and you get into this hacking channel and immediately like, you know, every, there's a lot of kind of banter, but everyone's trying to like out elite each other and it's very competitive. Um, Which is Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except, except on IRC, uh, if they were smarter than you, then your hard drive would start formatting itself 30 seconds <laughs> later because they broke into your box and started wiping it out, which happened to me once. Uh, and that was ba- back when hard drives made noise and LEDs flashed. We're so old. Yeah. We uh, are old. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at all the security technologies available today. And this was, you know, this was dial up back, back then dial up your IP address directly on the internet. You didn't have a home router. There was, there was no NAT translation. You didn't have a home firewall. There was no EDR. There was no, not even antivirus, like absolutely nothing. We had no seam, uh, secured it by, well, I'm gonna build my box over here, the cable unplugged with my floppy disks. And then we're gonna recompile some libraries because I know there's some vulnerabilities in there. And then I'm gonna install all the patches and all the updates and, and harden it. and make sure only like the, the strictest protocols are in place and disable any unnecessary services. I didn't have any actual security technologies on it. It was just built properly and hardened properly. Right. We, like we totally skip that step nowadays. It's like, oh, just throw more shit on top of it. I was like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll like, address that later. <laughs> ultimately, and, and that's, I try to explain these things to people. Um, like, you know, everything is built on these layers. And like, you can be running the best EDR platform in the world if someone's compromised your OS and it's not reporting the actions of the file system to the EDR, you're not going to see shit. Or better yet, I've seen to where attackers attack the EDR because they've already gotten onto the system and manually shut the shit off. Oh, yeah. I I spoke to a former Mossad guy a couple of years ago when they had targets. Like sometimes they like they take it down to the individual. Like they know mm. who's working there. They know who the really clever, good SOC analysts are. So they'll actually set up a bunch of fake alerts for a while, keep him on the 16-hour shift, him or her, and they know that the next day he won't be at work. <laughs> That's awesome. So people don't realize, you know, and it's it's like if I have a fully hardened system, like it doesn't matter what CVE, if, the, if it's not vulnerable to anything, it doesn't matter how many billions of attacks you throw at it, not, nothing will do anything. So yeah, I'm, I'm, on, uh, I'm trying to like educate people on, on how to do that. And it's like, I did a post today and there's a lot of resistance like within security. It's like, hey, you could spend, instead of spending 10 million a year on security, you could spend 2 million, have half the headcount, 
and have much more security, which is fantastic for a business. But you know, most security people are like, well, no, because that means I'll be a lot less important and have less cash to splash around and vendors will wine and dine me a lot less because my budget's smaller. I won't be as important. Yeah. So well, are you are you here to do a job? Like no, we, we claim to be like the, the firefighters and the policemen of the internet, but really we're the politicians at this point. <laughs> we, 100%. We, just want, we just want money and privilege. So it's it's hard to do that. And I think one of my mistakes, I've been reading a lot of like sales and marketing books. Uh, um, one of my mistakes of the last few years is just trying to change everything. And it's it's futile. So I'm just going to go, but there are some people out there who really give a shit. And I'm just going to aim for that. Like I think it's, I'm going to say 0.1%. I'm going to aim for that 0% who actually wants to do the right thing. Uh, is willing to listen, understands, hey, there's there's a lot of business benefits, you know, it's quality, it's, you're not just eliminating security defects, you're eliminating defects full stop, uh, there's less waste, there's, it's more easy to sustain, there's other stuff that, that goes in your favor, uh, and just, yeah, I've got to try to drive that wedge. I mean, th- think about like back in the day, we used to order like gateway computers and they would come in a box and everything was already the box though. Can we just talk installed? About the yeah, the big cow. Yeah, box. yeah, with the cow spots. Yeah. <laughs> so you get that, it was already installed and like Windows 95 was cranking. So literally people would just automatically take that computer and plug it in and dial into the internet. <clears throat> Can you imagine the amount of vulnerabilities that we would get in that nice little pretty box? every time we got a computer and we still get that but people yeah. are like for some reason they have like this false sense of security like well but because it came from the manufacturer i should be good yeah it's funny because I, I remember i've not seen them recently but I remember stats like you know your, your average unpack like unupdated windows machine lasted I've, I've heard like sub one minute claims of how, how long it was before it was compromised so yeah uh but yeah it was just not but the funny thing is we see it with, I can understand, you know, when you're selling a computer, like shipping a computer right. and it's probably not as bad today because, you know, you are at home, you're behind your router, you're behind your NAT, your firewall. Um, you can go, you know, the, before you do anything else, before you start downloading shit, download the updates patch, and then you should be all right. But um, when, when you see it with SaaS services, you know, so well, there's I, I I don't own or control any of this, but the company is not updating its own stuff. It's like you walk into like you know you hear terms like legacy about old companies. It's like no, I've I've walked into like six year old startups and their servers are six years out of date. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or or they've been poorly engineered and architected from day one, so they've never been able to update them. It's like well, yeah, we have customers now, so we can't afford downtime anymore. It's like yeah, it's, it reminds it's, me of the. Uh the USMCI um, uh, network that the military built, you know, Pro Systems went in and, and did this whole refresh for the for the Navy and Marine Corps where they deployed all these new computers and servers. But what was funny was they would always reach end of life before they would finish the deployment and it would be redeploying <laughs> again. So it was the most genius orchestrated contract I've ever seen because they were constantly getting paid. Yeah. But again, like that network, I mean, how how solid was that network? To be honest, you know, it, it was pretty shady. I feel like we need, like, at some point, we, we need to start caring more about sustainability and, and society than making a buck, because unfortunately, we live we live in that culture. You know, how many uh, companies that you see, it's just like, oh, pump out a product, don't care if it's maintainable, don't care if it's secure, don't care if our customers get screwed over, 
uh, pump up the value, IPO as quickly as possible. And then before the IPO or before they sell the company, they'll fire half their critical staff to like in- improve the EBITDA ratio. Like, oh, look, look how, how few staff we have. Like, by the way, everything's going to fall apart in six months without these people. Um, you know, you, you think like a business used to be like forever, but now people are just like, they, they have their exit strategy before they start the business. Exactly. And not only that, but as employees too, like people used to work at companies for like 50 years and get watches for, you know, 25 years service. I don't think any of that still exists. I think that, you know, what I tell people coming to industry and, and really into the job force is that everybody is self-employed yeah. pretty much. Like there is no loyalty back and forth pretty much anymore. And yeah. I think with security, like back in the day, you're talking about mergers and acquisitions and how they would just like, you know, pump and dump and then, you know, get rid of half the staff. You know, I think that's still true today. I think that, you know, oh, yeah. people are just looking for that that quick instant yeah. gratification and it's destroying the industry pretty much from the inside out. It's it's a it's a I think it's a cultural thing. It's not even just the security industry. You see it in all you know all kinds of business, but also in uh, yeah, I mean, I, well, security ironically, like in terms of just getting some venture capital money and and blowing it on a big IPO. And having the whole company like collapse like a fucking what is it a flan what's a souffle or whatever that's quite common as well right so yeah i just kind of don't know i'm quite i don't want to do the rat race i don't want to be just perpetuating the firefighting there's so much money to be made in firefighting it's like right hey do i want to do this you get numb to it after a while i think i think after you've been in that firefight for so long like it all sounds the same and just looking at people's networks and the way they get compromised gets frustrating after a while because we're still making the same fucking mistakes we made 15 years ago. Like there's not, there's not been much change when it comes to the way people look at security at all. Yeah. The, the whole, you know, we get, we get new technologies and stuff, but this whole like rapidly changing, uh, you know, threat. So, well, no, they're still exploiting you because you've got, you know, supply chain risk of bad libraries or you haven't updated the system or you haven't architected this properly or you never hardened this and it's like oh but you know ransomware is new ish it's like well it's just a way of monetizing an attack it's people are still the mechanics of how an attack works is still the same and if it's you know dave or bob from or doris from marketing that clicks up an email and that gets your entire like multinational corporation completely owns like Something was not right in Doris's access privileges or and you know the hardening of your servers. Clearly, there was a chain of events there that allowed something to happen. Uh, when we have a when we have a whole industry that is based upon taking advantage of your vulnerabilities and extorting money from you, to me, that says that industry has a fucking problem. Because yeah. even the thieves are like, oh shit, we can monetize this. These these people are idiots. I mean, that that's <laughs> their mindset. And they're we're still doing it. it. We're making it so easy. I don't know if you ever saw my uh, my presentation. Well, I've used the slides in a few presentations. And um, it, it's basically the slide. And it's got these two graphs. And they're really simple. They both have like a black line and a blue line. Mm-hmm. And the first one is like a line going up and a line going up, you know, linear fashion, slightly faster. And especially here in the UK, I said, like, on this graph, we have the uh, gun ownership rate per capita in the U.S. and the murder rate per capita in the U.S. You know, both are going up. One's going up faster than the other, but there's a clear kind of correlation there. Mm-hmm. The audience just, just starts laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid Americans, obviously. <laughs> uh, and then I show them this other graph where it's like a line going up and another line going down. 
And I'm like, well, this is the investment in cybersecurity and the resulting impact and the number of breaches that we have. And they're like, well, yeah, yeah, that's us. That's why we do our job. Yeah. And then I'm telling slight problem. I switched the graphs. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. spending more and more money and things are getting worse and worse and worse. And turns out people don't like to mug people with guns. Exactly. I mean, that, that's, that's a thing, right? Yeah. But we I mean, tell ourselves, you know, that, oh, we're the protectors and you must spend more and more. 20 years ago, companies spent like 1% to 2% of IT budget on security. Now it's like 12 and creeping towards 15%. Mm-hmm. And it's worse than ever. It's, like, well, well, it's we, not sustainable. You can't ask a business to keep doing that. Right. And we've taken the manual process out of it, right? So a lot of the things that we did manually and had to understand in order to complete to, to create that defensive posture, that shit's gone away. Now we're relying on devices and software to do all that for us. Yeah. So they've, they're extracting the human, the human part of it. And they're thinking that all this automation is going to fix every problem. You know, Oh, we have, we have a solution for ransomware. I actually heard someone say that they had anti-ransomware appliance that would keep you safe from any ransomware. And I'm thinking, that's not really the problem. The problem is what you do after you get breached. You know, like, yeah, why well, are you even getting breached to begin with? These things can work in a, a very kind of academic specific scenario, but in the real world, they, they never quite work. You know, it's, and that's, I once said, security isn't a knowledge game. It's a thinking game. And if you've not thought about any particular problem, then whatever knowledge you have is probably the wrong knowledge. Um, because you can have, you know, you can have a significant data breach because of how your sales team processes something in Salesforce or how your accounting department shifts data around. And most security teams will have absolutely no clue how those departments operate and yeah. never look into it. And no appliance that you plug into a server rack is ever going to figure it out. Right. A perfect, perfect example. I was at a company in oil and gas and someone in um, accounts payable had gotten an email from a client saying, hey, I want to change my banking information. This is where we need to start depositing the money. This is, you know, and it looked legit, except for maybe the domain name. Um, but anyway, so that that went through an accounting. And later on, we realized after, you know, we found the, the, the issue that not only did that get compromised, but also her email. They had gone into her email yeah. and did a um, auto forward any email coming to or from that box to a third party address that just happened to be in China and yeah. was running a crypto domain. And it's, it's like, you, you never really know what another department's doing because of the fact that we have this idea that, oh, security is a negative impact on the company. So they kind of separate themselves yeah. because all they think about is audit and am I going to pass shit this year? Yeah. So they try to protect themselves, but that whole culture has got to go. And I've always I, said that. I feel like a very similar example, same thing, but they'd, com- they'd compromise their inbox. So A, they were they were forwarding anything that had the word invoice in it. <laughs> um, but they were also, I forget what it was exactly, it was about three, four years ago now. But basically they had compromised the, the mailbox. So any anything that she sent that had the word invoice with it, it automatically got deleted and then they scooped it out of the deleted folder and answered to it. Yes, yes, it's a valid email. Yes, we did send this. So if ever she questioned it, they would reply. You know, so again, you know, business process, go out of band, that kind of stuff. But yeah, people don't look at, like you have to look at business processes. And a lot of those are like IT business processes, but there's, there's stuff outside there. 
right. you know, uh, what was it like the, uh, the casino that was compromised because the uh, IP based thermometer in the fish yes. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You got it. You like, you have to get into this procurement process. You have, you have to do all that stuff and nothing, you know, nothing's going to be human interaction. And I think you need an understanding of business. Like you need to understand how a marketing department works, how a, advertising works how hr works how accounting works finance to have an idea like well you know what are normal business processes and how do we do them so i can actually like go through them and figure out what the risks are um yeah and then define those processes so they cause as few issues as possible so right. you don't have like i i like to say i mean it's, it's an exaggeration but i think like your ideal number of SOC analysts is however many it takes to find each issue once because you know, it's like, well, why did we have this issue? Okay, fix that business process so it never happens again. Uh, and sometimes you fix a problem and you, without knowing it, you've actually fixed a whole bunch of other problems that you never detected, but you fixed the thing that spawned or would have spawned them. Yeah. Um, one of the big things I shift find that too, thinking, man. Yeah, one of the things I find too is post-pandemic, like we don't only have to worry about business process, but also everybody in the family. Because they're on the same network. Yes. And that shit creeps me out. Like people, I don't think they put enough thought to that. And if people really knew how many residential customers on ISPs get breached every day, like there's a reason why that number is not broadcast daily. Oh, it's great. Because it's astronomical. Because look at the shit that we buy, like surveillance cameras and IP cameras that oh. have built-in credentials that we don't even know about. Yeah. You know? So I, th- I think, you know, that approach <laughs> that, that, basic foundational approach that what you're talking about is going back to the basics yeah i think that do do you have an iphone you have an iphone no i love the credential one so i have have an iphone i'm I'm like all apple mac guy whatever and um you have this feature i forget where it is in here but you have um in your accounts and it's got uh it's got suggestions on I, i guess they go to have i been pwned or whatever and they see like which which of your passwords that you have stored in your browser on here, which is you know, hundreds for most people, right. are are at risk or have been compromised. And I, I looked at this one point. At one point, I had like 127 of my passwords had been compromised from all these different various sites. Right. And I exclusively use the you know generate a, a password, which is you know six alphanumerical characters, a dash, another six, another dash, and another six. And they've all been broken in all these sites, some of which are fairly big companies that have never disclosed a breach. And yet my account on there, that password is, is somewhere on a Have I Been Pwned site. So you, they've clearly been breached. And it's there's so many of them. And it's oh, so yeah. rampant. And they never they don't even disclose it. They don't even bother. I had, I wonder if like my, uh, I've got one of those like online only banks. And I had like a six month period where like they just randomly sent me a new car like four times with no other instructions. I was like, have they just been hacked and don't want to tell people and they're just sending out new cards? I'm quite suspicious. Or or your account's been hacked and they've ordered new cars, but forgot to change the address in the account. Yeah. I've seen that happen before. They forgot four times. So they're very (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Criminals aren't very smart. Sometimes. Well, they're smarter than most of us. That's the scariest part. So, so what talks do you have coming up? You know, it's actually it's actually pretty uh, pretty slow right now. I just got my first one of the year at the. Um, I'm not actually looked at what it is. I think it's for a private company. They just, they just kind of want the fun stories about how the FBI taped a microphone to my testicles. 
and uh, <laughs> which is a great warm up. It really gets the ladies on side because it's like if you think that it's awkward, but it's not as awkward having to remove the tape. So, ladies, you've got all my sympathy. Uh, I don't know how they do it. Um, I've got one, an interesting one actually. It's for um, a cyber insurance conference. So it's going to be all like insurance companies. And I've done some portfolio work for a law firm representing insurance companies that didn't want to pay out. And they're like, can you find us some negligence in these companies that have been breached so they don't have to pay out? I, I did four of these engagements. This was pre-COVID. It never took me more than three hours. It's like, nice. you have no idea what assets you have. Your patching process is non-existent. Where are your backups? I mean, and, and it's like, well, where are you so certified? It's like, how? how you know the the level of of uh but for, whether it's like m&a's or, or venture capital or like insurance companies or uh auditors whether it be like nist or, or iso clearly this is bullshit you know right. like if you're letting them choose the sample systems to look at and they're just giving you a printout and it's taking them two weeks to come up with it they're not yeah. managing their shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> at all. To like, give me a second. Log in. Here it is. You know, it's a fire drill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it should be like if I can't see my environment now and show it to you, I don't have control of my environment. No. And w- what I find really strange is how these cyber insurance companies stay in business. Because to be honest, we've done a shit ton of incident response to the company that I work for on ransomware. Yeah. And not once has any of our clients had to pay a ransom. Yeah. So it's like, what are these other companies doing that they're not able to dig their shit out of ransom without so having to pay somebody? So you've been able to you've been able to basically do the recovery without the keys. Without the keys. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna guess most people aren't as qualified as you are. <laughs> well, a lot of it has to do with backups. Like, why are people not oh, backing yeah, yeah. up their shit? Oh. Back. I mean, loads of people are like, oh, yeah, we have backups. When did you test the backup? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, no. I heard one brilliant. I, I did a call with um, uh, Pure Storage late last year. And um, his name there is he he quite cool, actually. Um, and he was talking about this uh, back in the day. Shit, what was it? This company, there was a bank next door that had an agreement with the bank uh, to put all the backup tapes in the vault. And they had a major incident. They had to do a full backup. Turns out the uh, the locks on the door of the vault are magnetic. Oh, <laughs> man. Say goodbye to your data. Totally degaussed everything. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Brilliant. So what else is going on over in the UK with cybersecurity, man? I feel so disconnected since I left uh, the UK. Man, I'm disconnected, period. I'm, I'm still trying to fix the shit that was going on 25 years ago. I'm not. I'm like, I'm so not terribly interested there's this new thing called chat gcp or G- what is it? i don't even know what it is what, this what AI is chat generates uh what's, what's it called chat sure you've heard of this chat gpt that's the one yeah i've heard of it but i don't i've not even experienced anything everyone's raving about it i don't know what it is uh, don't give a shit <laughs> yeah um same shit. I'm, I'm so I'm I'm excited about what uh, what Jen Easterly had to say because it sounds like CISA, which is like what a two point three billion dollar agency is significant. That it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, and the fact was, that someone from the government that's in charge of anything remotely cyber is speaking anything remotely close to logical is fucking amazing. I, I, that's that was like 
I did a video. I was like, I just ran to my computer. It was like, I just heard the most amazing thing. Like a, a high ranking public official is actually talking complete sense and, and saying like, we need to build shit better rather than this endless firefighting. Um, so I'm all, you know, who knows? Maybe some legislation will come out of that. That will be, I don't know. We'll probably fuck that up, but uh, <laughs> don't know. The penalties will be paying like extra taxes. I'm sure. Maybe. I feel like there's there's benefits to um, doing like security as a quality thing, right? Like you know, one of the last companies I worked for, like the, the engineering was so bad, like the development that they were just a they were running through DevOps engineers and SREs like cookies with tea because it was so poorly built, so frustrating to maintain, and the the culture was so bad that they couldn't get the developers to actually do stuff properly that all the DevOps people just quit constantly. Uh, nothing was architected. So it was like, there's no visibility and no like holistic thinking. So nothing was architected properly. So, you know, you, you had some services that had to scale and some didn't, but everything was a monolith. So everything scaled. So AWS resource was like 10 times what it should have cost. And uh, uh, just, you know, all, all these other issues that could have saved the business loads and loads of money. Um, and, stopped us from having all these security issues and stopped us from making it so difficult for, to fix each of these issues. Um, it would have been just a win-win-win, you know, just build stuff, take, yeah, you have to take that extra like five minutes, but it, it's it's going to save you an hour, like within a month. It's not like a long, uh, the ROI period is short. Like it's within the quarter, like just, just do it. Right. And then the same thing with, with patching, you know, people, People don't understand, like when you take a sample of internet traffic and you still see SQL Slammer floating around the internet, like, and your shit is not patched against that. Like, first of all, what are you using to, to carry out business? Second of all, are you in a cave somewhere? Because like we're in 2023 <laughs> now. Well, you say, you say that. I remember like the U.S. military. Oh, God. No, but they actually, <laughs> when it came to WannaCry, they right. deployed, they used Tanium for this. They deployed. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was 750,000 endpoints in 38 minutes globally, including assets that were literally in fucking caves in right. Afghanistan, right. you know, with high latency radio linkups. And yet we have companies that cannot patch their shit. Okay, six-year-old startup, and I'm seeing CVEs from 2004. Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> they have TI calculators plugged into their network. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's like, where, where have you downloaded this stuff? <laughs> like we're an old cloud shop that literally didn't exist until 2016. And you've got stuff, you've got vulnerabilities that are 12 years older than this company. Yeah, I mean, and here's another thing that, that we battle too, is when I go into a company and say, okay, you've got like 50,000 endpoints that are vulnerable to want to cry like what the fuck are you doing and they say oh well we've deemed this not a security risk because it's on the inside <laughs> of our network like half the people that i've dealt with in the past like consulting i really scratched my head like what do you mean that using your admin credentials for every server in the network is fine in clear text oh because wait a minute because you all use the same account that makes it safe like yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. But that's yeah. the kind of shit that we get as consultants is like those kind of justifications. Yeah, but it's it's you know you look at the media, everything's a highly sophisticated nation state sponsored cyber. <laughs> like, dude, 
fucking admin PowerShell credentials all over the network in plain tag. Really predictable passwords, default passwords, unpatched systems. Like it takes no time at all. So I think I think I mentioned the story of uh, when we did the the pen test at that university, and uh, I'd asked them to do a pen test because I knew like they wouldn't allow me any visibility at all. So I just like all right, I know I know these people. Let's get them and let's do a pen test. And I couldn't, I had zero traction with IT. So they wouldn't even give me the account for the pen testers to use. So totally black box. Nice. So what they actually did is they, on the website, they saw like the usernames had a um, a fixed format. It was like six, three letters, three numbers, something like that. Uh-huh. But like, right, we're not even going to try to guess passwords. We're going to guess usernames because there's way right. fewer possibilities. So it was literally like the name of the... Uh, universe of sulfur so there's a whole we'll try sulfur one two three as a password there's bound to be one yeah there are about 150 as it turns out and they just cycled usernames so obviously they only tried each username once so it never triggered any any throttling of uh, excess login attempts and you know they started one day they're supposed to test for for six days and on the first day in the morning i had a couple of meetings and around lunchtime like they rang me up i was like yeah well, what do you want us to do and I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I'll try it. Try the perimeter. Try the try VPN first. Just that. Like, no, no, no. We're not looking for instructions. We've run out of things to compromise. Oh my god! <laughs> they literally ran out of things to compromise. One hundred twenty-nine thousand accounts, tens of thousands of assets. Uh, about, yeah, well, five to ten thousand assets. Um, they they just got access to the VPN, and then they were on the local network, and then sure enough. PowerShell scripts in the clear with admin credentials in them. So they they got, you know, they got the ticket granting ticket. Then they got, you know, uh, Excel files full of passwords. So like all, all the SaaS applications, medical records, you know, like all kinds of stuff. So I was like, mm. and it took, yeah. And we went to the uh, chief executive with her credit cards, travel visa, passport and birth certificate. Nice. We got some funding. Nice. <laughs> but it, there's so many, you know, and just like the sheer number of critical vulnerabilities. Uh, yeah, and I remember them saying, it's like, you know, IT, oh no, everything's well managed. We've got endpoint management and everything. We've got very mature asset management, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we that's when we got the okay to get Tanium in. And, uh, I really like Tanium because it's like, well, like we need 5,000. Yeah, because they said we had 5,000 endpoints. Mm-hmm. Tanium from experience, because they've done this before. It's like, we'll sell you 5,000 licenses. We'll give you 1,000 free for just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so we plug in Tanium. It's like, let it deploy, which it takes for hours. It's brilliant. And then we're like, yeah, guys, IT guys. Yeah, turns out you've got 6,000. <laughs> so right. You literally had a thousand computers that you didn't know about. You purchased these computers. They're on a budget somewhere. How could you not know they existed? It's crazy. I, I went on a, on a pen test, something similar to that um, with the Federal Reserve. And when people think about the Federal Reserve, they think about, oh, it must be like Fort Knox, like well, completely secure. Knox, yeah. I'll tell you what, I was so shocked the first day I went in to do a Federal Reserve pen test and they hand me a laptop, which is their laptop. But it's in a box, like a briefcase almost. So you take out this little laptop and it has Cali on it and it has like a few other things, but there's only certain buttons you're allowed to push. And it, you, the IP addresses are already in the system. Literally, when they have someone come pen test the Federal Reserve, you're paid to sit down 
and click start. That's it. There's no analysis. There's no digging. There's no nothing. What comes back on those reports? That's it. You're done. Huh. And that's where your money's coming from. That's really interesting because they took the time to actually tailor yes. that the installation. So it's like the opposite of what you're supposed to do. It's like, exactly. everything that's wrong. So we're going to limit the scope to what's right. Yeah. And we're not going to allow you to go anywhere beyond or find anything new. Or credential. Yeah. Well, it's, it's technically a third-party pen test. Yeah. And when, when I went to the Federal Reserve, I went through like three days of this SF-86 from hell on a federal level, like federal financial institution level. Yeah. And it was crazier than my military SF-86. But once I got that that you know security clearance for the Fed Reserve and sat down behind the computer, I thought, wait a minute, I went through all that shit to press that button. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like you're you're asking me if I'm a good person, good enough to press a button. Like yeah, yeah, it was, it was just really unbalanced. Literally, uh, I was, oh yeah. And I was I was literally thinking, like, I wonder what would happen if I went outside the scope, what I, what I would find. And then it clicked in my head. I was like, wait a minute, this is a government prison, institution. Prison is what you're... <laughs> <laughs> right. The answer is prison. Prison. Right. Yeah. Right. But even so, like if you went outside the bounds, I'm sure that you would find all kinds of crazy shit. And that's why they have it so narrowed down. And I feel like a lot of companies now do that with Pentest. Well, like, don't touch this shit because it's critical. We need that for operations. And I'm thinking. But wait a minute, wouldn't you want to it's test that? You should be really first? worried about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so worried about downtime and operations. And, and you know, to so me, that tells me you don't have a backup system for high, high availability. Yeah. And two, you're not confident in your own security work. And that's, I think that's why they get hit so, so hard, right? I get it. I get it. You know, back to Karen or Doris or Bob from marketing, clicking one wrong email and the whole house of cards falls down. It's like, yeah, it's, I doubt it was just them clicking that one email. Right. Cause it's a chain people. reaction. Yeah, exactly. You know, they jumped from, there were credentials somewhere that got into a different subnet and you know, had you know, a gateway that had default passwords and then they jumped to a different subnet and, you know, it's a bunch of servers that, didn't have more patch, so they've used that as a jump box and but they protected all the VLANs, so they're good. I, I highly doubt that actually. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, you can like VLAN hop VLAN hop in like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about goals for 2023. You have any big goals or anything that you're aiming for this year? Make money. Um I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that that was um I just got frustrated with uh, with kind of the CISO game and, and getting that traction, and it's it's a lot of work, and you're very um, you're it's very a thankless the job. Yeah, it's very thankless. Uh, well, you're, I think like the one thing that makes it worth it is your team. I loved my team at, at the last job, um, and we're all, we're still all connected on, on WhatsApp, and everyone's got new jobs, so happy with that. But yeah, it's, it's it's thankless. It's stressful um, because no matter how much traction you have, and they tell you not to worry about it, if something bad happens, it's like Thank oh, you. Oh. <laughs> it's it's your job to take this fall. Um, but uh, it, it just it just seems very difficult. Like you're always fighting for change, and um, so the last you know, and I finished that in July, and most of the work that I've been getting since has been like public speaking. And it's just been kind of random, public speaking and, and writing articles and stuff. 
so I thought, you know what? I kind of like this because I'm, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. I've actually like a lot of like motivational videos and stuff this year and started reading a lot more, which got me a bit more energized. But Gary Vee, you need to check out Gary Vee. Yeah, yeah, I love Gary Vee, Les Brown, uh, all the like all the motivational speakers and stuff. Yeah, uh, even Andrew Tate, but we won't go there. <laughs> he's he's very uncouth, you know. He's not he's he's not very diplomatic, and he's not very. He doesn't sugarcoat shit. He doesn't sugarcoat shit. He's a bit OTT, and mm-hmm. you know, he, too way too freaking braggy. Like he, it's not right. classy, dude. But I don't actually disagree with him on very much. Um. But doing doing a lot of that, and uh, but nor- naturally, I, I think I'm quite lazy. So to actually get up and do a grind and do writing, and uh, so public speaking is quite cool because someone like an agent calls you up, hey, can you uh, this date, this time, this much money? Yeah, all right. And you take a phone call and you get on a plane, you show up at a conference, have a few beers, do a talk, go home. <laughs> so it's very easy to manage your time. Um, and and you have you know the client is expecting something so you have that pressure mm-hmm. so uh, that kind of like fits me even though I'm uh, I'm getting better at my own uh, laziness managing my own laziness now but that. so I was like that's, that's that's kind of appealing and I also feel the, the funny thing is that what the, it's almost it was like at the time like three four months ago it almost seemed like an easy way out but now the more I think about it the more it's like what I want to do what we all agree needs to get done. It's very difficult to get traction. It's very difficult to do it in in practice. And I think, you know, weirdly, people see it as this whole new thing. It's never been presented that way. You go to university, you, you any vendor, any conference. What's security? Oh, it's zero trust it's and testing and fucks and uh, so this whole idea of just building stuff right in the first place. So it's not a massive shit show that keeps falling down and costs you loads of money and exposes you to loads of risk and requires a million sock analysts and a shit ton of tools. It's really foreign to people. So it's like, well, I'm at a point where I'm going to have to like kind of market this forever to try and find someone who is interested and will give me a job for it. And then if they leave, then I'm screwed because they'll get rid of me right after. So I was like, well, why don't I talk about it and actually get you know, do do that marketing, but A, I'm getting paid to talk about it, but B, I'm, I'm creating an awareness that could help other people that actually want to deliver the service. And yeah, I mean, if, if someone sees me talking, it's like, no, that actually makes perfect sense. And they want to hire me. Great. It's over the last five years, I've gotten way more traction with jobs talking to like CEOs and CFOs than I have to CIOs and CISOs. Yep. As soon as you start talking business, like techie people get threatened. Like I don't want to say technically like threatened or confused or just don't get it or they sometimes it's not malicious, but they just don't understand. It's like because you're protecting a business, you have to understand what they do, where they're going, what they'll need. Right. Um yeah, I had a consulting uh gig recently, and the CIO was really confused why I was talking to COO. It's like because you guys are going to do things, <laughs> customers and requirements and regions and, and compliance needs, and we need to. Plan the work so operations. What the business needs is there at the right time, and they're like, "No, we just need policies." Like, no, of course. Uh, so yeah, so the the speaking thing is uh is interesting. I might just do that for a while, see, because last year, like, I had um, a decent amount of it just kind of fall, not enough to make a living off of, but it, it's mostly fallen into my lap. So I figure, well, if I start pushing it a bit more, um, 
Plus, everyone loves to hear how the FBI taped stuff to my testicles. I don't know. It always gets a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The, the speaking part of it, man, like w- when I was in the UK and even now, since I started getting traction here, yeah. like the speaking part of it, I really enjoy. And, you know, I make more business impact in speaking than I do actually in a business. Yes. And, and that's yeah, because because you're talking to like 100 people in the room. Right. And I don't know, 10 of them are going to go and do something. Right. That's more than, than I could do. And I think quite often you go, you know, you go into a company and it's like, this isn't right, you know, right. and you, you've got a lot of stuff. It's not working. You're spending a lot of money here. It's not really having much effect. You know, uh, the last one I looked into, it's like, oh, give us, give us some more policies and stuff. So, well, you have a, you have a Jira workflow here that has 120, 130 something security issues queued up. Yeah. You've got seven that are being worked on. You've got zero that have ever been finished. And no one's touched any of it in 19 months. So I don't think more stuff is what you need. Like, clearly, this is not working. You've not integrated this into your business process. Um, Where was I going? So, but if you point that out, no matter how politely you do it, you call my baby ugly. Get out. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I think I made a living at that for a while. Yeah. Whereas if you are speaking... And especially, I think if you, you know, if you're lighthearted about it and because um, I always thought my talks like quite funny and then I get into the more serious stuff, people will like, get, they like you and then they listen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same person that built the, you know, that security team or function, whatever, that doesn't really work, that same person who would have thrown you out for calling his, pa- his baby ugly will listen to you, take it as their own idea and then go and try and do some of it right because there's not that oh you haven't i didn't attack him i just told him some stuff and now he's going to do it like it's his own idea so i'm, I'm actually aff- affecting more change right so that right. that's what i really really like about it and i think as, as tired as i am with like tech and security the, just the fact that you know we are getting into this like i think is a, a real societal problem now that we're just building this house of cards and we're becoming increasingly dependent on it it's that that's a bit of a calling. I, I enjoy that. Sure. So I'm going to focus like- more on the, the speaking and, and hopefully some uh, some training will come off the back. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to do like uh, two, three videos on, on LinkedIn every every week. Uh, just kind of with snippets and thoughts, I'm going to structure kind of long form version of that and maybe give that away as a uh, as a course or a seminar or something. So there, there's a there's a platform, a new platform called I want to say it's uh, teammate.io. And basically what it is, is a platform where people who are like specialists or, or, or like technical experts can go and set up an account. And what happens is people will pay for your time through teammate.io to spend this one-on-one time with you. Give yeah, advice, it's whatever. Kind of like a mentoring thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I mean, something like that would be really cool. But what I found like the most, I guess, fulfilling for me with like the speaking is the fact that I could go to like a big venue and give a talk. But then out of that big venue, I'll have three or four other talks that will come out on a smaller scale from people that were there. And I think that's really cool to be invited into a company, you know, after they go to the conference and they see this, to get invited to a company and help them internally. Um, But the the environment over there is much different than it is here when it comes to cybersecurity. Like here, UK versus States, you mean? Yeah, totally, totally. I'm very curious about this. So, so, So the conferences I've been to, um, 
they're not as not as jam packed as the ones that I went to the in the UK. Like even even Black Hat um, here, it's a little bit bigger, but the smaller conferences, like you know, some of the ones I did for TechStrong, like the crowds don't come out like they do in the UK. And right. I I don't know if that's because it's more. I guess acceptable over there or like people are embracing security more over there than they are here. Okay. But I think the general attitude for the public and, and people, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people was the fact that they expect it to come from the store protected and they have no idea what happens after that. Yeah. Um, so when I talk to people at conferences and I, I give them the, you know, the screenshots of this is how your shit in your house is attacking you. They're like, wait a minute, that what? Yeah. But over there, the the response was different. Like people, people automatically assumed that and knew that already. But it's just I don't know if it's the the maybe the ego here is a little bit bigger or what. But people in the UK seem to be more accepting of cybersecurity and principles given to them rather than here. Yeah, I, well, I think I think like Americans are really good at doing things on a massive, massive scale. But the thinking right. is quite like black and white quite often. Whereas here. Uh, people think much more nuanced and mm-hmm. uh, maybe a bit more uh, more skeptical, but they don't have that boldness that the Americans have to, you know, like if if they're like, oh, we're gonna My build this over here, and it's gonna be like, fuck that, you guys can't even like fix the pothole over there. We're not, <laughs> <damn>. <laughs> right. so we're not, we're not doing that. Let's go to the pub, have a pint. Exactly, and that's what I miss about there. I miss the the camaraderie, and I, I miss the the actual community the cybersecurity community over there is a lot tighter than here and yeah. we have a lot more land to deal with a lot more people yeah but i enjoyed the compactness and, and being able to go to conference of people who are intelligent and could carry on conversations like i yeah. do miss that you can't shoot um, stuff here though it, true true and every, every <laughs> it seems like every state in the union here in the u.s in 2021 i have yet to figure out what happened in 2021 that made them think that this was a good idea but the government and Every little state, like Texas, Tennessee, some others, um, a lot of others. I like how a con- the little state. <laughs> yeah, so they had they had a they had a uh, concealed and carry license where you had to go to a classroom and you had to go to a shooting range yeah. and prove you could handle a weapon before you carry it concealed. In twenty twenty one, they took that requirement and said, you know what, we don't think that that's important. Everybody can carry I, I concealed Supreme, or open. I think there was actually a Supreme Court ruling. It's crazy, right? Tw- I mean. Which I, think, I, I love I love how it's, I'm amazed by the U.S. Constitution. I'm amazed at a 300 year old document. And you look at like the kind of tyranny and oppression and censorship and all the, all the stuff that's going on in sense, like mainstream media, social media, yeah. uh, international geopolitics. These guys 300 years ago wrote a text that is still bang on. Right. Unbelievably bang on today. Um. And it, and it's incredible, but yeah, they. I don't think they. Um, the flip side of that is they don't. I don't think they accounted for all the the mental health issues and idiocracy, the degradation of society. They probably assumed people were a bit more responsible. But I fully, fully support the right. But you have some people don't realize you have some. Uh, so in in Europe, you are allowed to have to own guns, and you are technically under European law allowed to carry guns but the the national restrictions are, are much there's no gun show though uh, are much stricter so in the uk like no semi-automatic handguns right. unless it's a 22 
uh, no semi-auto rifles, anything like. And you know, in, in Italy, you can have uh, you know AR-15s all, all your life. Yeah, the, the the one weird thing in Italy is like there's this confusion because like civilians can't own military calibers, so they just like put like half a mil extra length to the shell casing, and boom, you're okay now. Uh, but other than that, you can have just about anything. Czech Republic. Wait until like five years ago, had a higher carry rate than percentage of population in the U.S. did. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would, I would. But you do have licensing. You have right. to have people exam. You have to be police vetted. You can, like, there's no, but once you have a license, I can go into Italy, I can walk into a gun store in Italy and grab a gun, put it on the counter, give him cash, show my license, he makes a photocopy of it and walk out in wow. under a minute. You know, I don't have to wait three days or. It two took days. me two hours this past weekend to get a shotgun. There you go. And I had just bought a handgun like four days earlier, and it took me literally five minutes for the background check. Oh, okay. but this time because I and I went to the same store that I bought the previous one from, the, the same you know chain, and it took me two hours, and I was like, that is so weird. But what Tennessee is doing is they. Check. Well, yeah, the length of the check was crazy because, you know, you go from immediate approval to, well, wait a minute, we got to think about this for a couple hours. Yeah. You know, and the guy right before me had got denied. So I think it might have had something to do with the fact that he got denied and then they ran mine right after his. Uh, okay. It might, might be a frequency algorithm or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I, but there's some weird things as well where, like, I think I think they've got 72 hours. And if they don't get back to you, it's an automatic okay. ATF, yeah. The ATF yeah. Has, to, has to come back within 72 hours. If they don't come back with a comment in 72 hours, the store has to give it to you. Yeah. So it's, it's, very, it's very kind of unstructured and messy. And there's right. a lot of like, defaults and loopholes and stuff. Whereas here, it's, it's very regimented. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with a lot of people in Europe don't really like, like fiercely antique because you don't see guns, but right. they're, they're out there. Like oh, France, yeah. France, you know, baguettes, cheese, ham, croissants, <laughs> 32 guns per hundred people. Right. There's a fuck ton of guns in France, you know. They're still uh, afraid of the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd raise a finger if they showed up, but anyway. <laughs> um, but so I, I like the idea of having that kind of minimal check because otherwise things right. do get, get out of control but i understand the constitution like i understand it's 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 that incompatibility with you can't impose checks right. because that the checking mechanism is a way for you to potentially disarm us and the whole thing says you shall not infringe and it's so crazy because that document that you're talking about the constitution is such a beautiful document but what people don't understand is there's more than just one or two amendments on there. there I mean, it's a shit ton of, of stuff on a piece of paper. And all we focus on are the first two amendments. Forget yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. Because there are, some of them are fairly recent. Like the two-term president limit is way down the list, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Way, way down the list. Yeah. Um, I, think they, I think they were trying to avoid having a king because at one point they even offered to give George Washington kingship in the u.s but he did really? he refused he refused it he said i don't want to be king and because he was a general and so he ended up taking over as president but he was actually they were tossed around the idea of making him a king <laughs> okay uh all right do, do you know how many amendments to the constitution have been proposed oh i'm sure a million <laughs> more, more than eleven thousand, but only 27 ratified so it's not, right. not funny. Well, that document supposedly withstands time, but I hate to say it, you know, 
the terms that we used and in the context of the way that that document was written, we can't really match that up to a lot of shit that goes on today. You know, and, and I really wish that they would preserve that document and keep that structure, but maybe update some shit. I mean, we need a, like a firmware update on that constitution because that shit's not working. What would you update? I, I would update a lot of stuff. I would update. Well, I, think, I think, I think, I think actually the principles I see would work, but it's just that they've been perverted. Right. They've been. So, so what's happened with the constitution is the same thing that happens with the Bible. You get all these people's hands on, on a document and they relay the information <laughs> and translate it to whatever suits their agenda or their motives. Yeah, yeah. And kill the rest of shit they leave out. Where, where does it say that? Uh, this slide <laughs> here about the goat, that means kill them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. Man bastardizes pretty much everything. And and the constitution is is no different. Yeah, you know, I'm a Freemason and, and the constitution is is golden to me. You know, that, that might as well be the Ten Commandments. But as as a country and as a government, they've totally demolished what used to be the constitution and bastardized it to whatever their motive or their agenda for their platform is. You're gonna get censored here, be careful. I'm sure I'm going to be like cancel culture at some point, but you know, it'll happen. There's worse things you can say. Exactly. Well, man, we've come to the end of the hour. It's always been a, it's always a pleasure to have you on man and touch base and, and catch up with old friends. Yeah. I'll, I'll come up with more crap to say for next time. Awesome. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll plan another episode and then, you know, maybe for next month and, and maybe we can get uh, Kevin to jump on with us too. I've not seen Kevin in ages. That would be cool. Yeah. Let's dig him up. Let's dig him my up. problem is because, well, Kevin's a bit like me, but less extreme. But my problem is uh, I want to fix the fundamentals and it's been 25 years and shit just ain't happening. So <laughs> I don't have much. Uh, I come up with like new arguments to do it, but ultimately it's the same. It's the same, pro- it's the same old problem. We're trying to solve the yeah. same problem we we're trying to solve over 15 years ago. Yeah. And this shit so is I'm trying to like, I'm come up with like additional business benefits or improve the communication skills, but the, the stuff that kind of a security tech audience relates to, I don't have much, much more to tell you. But if you tried conveying that, audibly and vocally while dressed in a smurf outfit because i bet the point would go across might want to try that i feel like that's a dare it's a dare quite tall for a smurf though it'd be awesome though <laughs> <laughs> all right man well i'm gonna end the elmo outfit El- Ooh, elmo would be much better yeah, i think but I you have to have the talking hands when one of my presentations i used this uh meme of elmo and it was like Elmo with a bunch of fruits and stuff, fruit and vegetables. And it was like, um, you know, good, good build practices, hardening configuration, blah, blah, blah. And the massive pile of cocaine here is like EDR, XDR, seem all the security tech. And obviously the next slide is Elmo. Going- <laughs> <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street style. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Awesome. All right. Man, man. Take care of yourself and uh, we'll be talking soon. Take it easy, Greg. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.